I'm comedian Timmy Boyle, and this is the greatest live Instagram comedy experience that nobody knew about. March of 2020, I just arrived home from tour when COVID-19 shut down the world. So despite being severely technically challenged, I started a daily live Instagram show right here from my living room. Because how hard could it be? And how long could a pandemic last? Apparently longer than five months. So now, a hundred episodes later, I've called comedians as diverse in experience as they are in style from all around the world to discuss comedy, life, and, well, whatever. I had no goals, which was a great idea. I avoided tech checks, which was a bad idea. And I eventually wore no pants. The jury's still out on that one. And my OJ, over 150 days, transformed from refreshing drink to rancid mystery liquid right before our eyes. It was a random, free-flowing, hilariously messy ride into the minds and backstage lives of entertainers where anything could happen, and did, including a trip to a goat farm. Overcoming a lack of direction, resources, and tech ineptness, as well as multiple zombie cyber attacks, a project not expected to last even a week soon developed into a must-watch show like no other. But don't take my word for it. See for yourself, right here on another episode of Calling Comedians in Quarantine. Is that it? Did we get it all? Awesome. Well, here we are again, Saturday night, 7 o'clock. It is now time for episode 11 of Calling Comedians in Quarantine. My name is Timmy Boyle from Upstanding Comedy, and uh, we have had an amazing 10 days here. Uh, Joy is coming in here, fantastic. Crystal's Punny is coming in here. Uh, Miranda Marie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are in for a uh, Zup brother to you as well. Uh, Craftmaker Mom is here. Thank you for coming in here. You are on episode 11 of Calling Comedians in Good Quarantine. We have, uh, we have been um, in our living rooms for quite a while and uh, been using this time to, well, nap, eat, and call, uh, call comedians from around North America. Every day we've called somebody new. Last night was a question and answer period uh, with myself where you were technically the guests. Um, Craftmaker Mom... Thank you for the request to join this video, but uh, can't currently um, do that as uh, we'll be waiting for our guest to be here. Joel Madison uh, will be on the show tonight, um, and so uh, we won't be ac accepting people to join our live, but hopefully you will hang around and watch. Uh, uh, I'm very excited to have Joel as the guest tonight. So um, I hope everyone here is doing, doing well. I hope you've had a good time. Uh, in quarantine, I know. Look, things are really bad. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny that. But um, I am gonna say, quite honestly, from my standpoint, um, I have been really trying to look at everything that's been going on as a fantastic way to reset. Um, I've been. I've been able to catch up on some stuff. I think I've been able to actually um, create foundation pieces for the future. And I think all of us have the opportunity right now. Uh, to make the best of a bad situation um, by learning something new, doing the things that maybe you used to say, you, if only I had more time. Well, now you got that time. 
Uh, and definitely don't use this time to just kind of lie around. Um, I think this is a, a time where we can be active and creative, even though we're in our own houses. And that's why I started this show. I don't have the proper lighting, don't have the proper sound, but uh, sometimes I get handicapped by my own perfectionism. And this kind of allowed me to just have the freedom to just create. I just want to connect with people, make people laugh, and uh, I have an opportunity to do that on the show. So thank you for tuning in tonight on this Saturday night. Um, and uh, our guest, Joel Madison, is here, and I'm going to be bringing him into the show. So get ready, everybody, for episode 11 of Calling Comedians in Quarantine. We are going to be calling Joel Madison right now. Joel, let's see if the technology will work. Do this. What do we got? Is he in? Is he in? He is in. Joel. Hey, bonjour. Oh, look at you done your research on where we are up here in Canada. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Where where are you? This is beautiful. Well, I, you, That's not you, a living uh, room. You said you were in the living rooms and you've been in the living room, so I thought I'd take everybody outside. I'm in my backyard hanging out a little bit. Uh, I'm fortunate I have some space. That's uh, to beautiful. Be Thanks. You're looking good, man. Oh, thanks. I dolled up for this. <laughs> well, I haven't. I'm, I'm not even wearing pants. Um, I, so, uh, <laughs> I have noticed you've, been, you've had that uh, backwards Atari shirt on pretty much every night. Hey, it's, oh, uh, I figure no pants, same sweater. I, have no, I don't want to do laundry. I don't want to. I'm right. not going anywhere for months. So I, there's no, ju no judgment on this show, Joel, okay? Thank you. Uh, I'll try not to. Listen, uh, you had struck on something right away about, you know, do the things that you said if you ever had time to do, you would do. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it's always been, I said, if I ever have enough time, what I would like to do is just lie around because I've been so busy. So it was kind of weird when you said don't lie around because that was actually my dream. Well, here's the thing. I, 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 have, I have lied around a, a lot. I think where, I'm, where I want to go that is, um, I also, though, am still getting out to do my exercise, and I'm still doing... Uh-oh, are you still there? Oh, did we lose you, Joel? Are you still there? Yeah, hang on. I was you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a senior citizen, and I was trying to turn it up, and I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed you were a senior citizen. Work? Um, I'm actually enjoying a period of rest, like, and I think that's what you're trying to say. Like, um, like I, I, I just, I had just gotten off of a 10 day road trip right before this thing unloaded and I'd been on the road a lot and I know not everybody has this gift, I guess, but it's actually been really nice to just be able, I can't book things in the future. So now right. I can just catch up and chill and gather my thoughts. And I'm in this so, really cool creative space right now. You don't have to worry about your career. You can work on the craft a little bit. Exactly. And, and two, sometimes, different, two different things. Sometimes I think I'm so hectically trying to book the next gig that I don't actually do the creative elements that allow me to excel and excel greater at right. the gigs that are actually, you know, allowing me to do what well, I love. So it's, it's two paths, you know, working hard on your career and then also keeping the keeping up on the craft and the jokes and keeping that. You're a busy touring guy. You know, I don't actually work very much. You know, I, I uh, <laughs> kind of went back into it for fun. You know, I got out of uh, I was a professional for about 10 years 
back, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s and stopped doing it uh, for a living. And so now I'm really just toe dipping again. Uh, you know, we had met at that challenge because uh, I've been sort of managing that one comedian, Martin Franks. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about bit. that. How, how's Martin doing? Uh, well, he's uh, he's sort of, I haven't seen him in a few weeks. He's okay. sort of disappeared. All right. A bit. I don't know what's happened to him. Uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm trying to find him. Right the, now. the Uber, the Uber business, though, must yeah. still be doing pretty strong. You know, I saw a post of his, and he's not answering his phone. Uh, he said he was he was going to be Ubering, still, but not picking up anybody. Uh, <laughs> so he said, you know, it's weird having a client that smokes just a ton of pot, but I believe in him. I believe in him. He's he's a good cat. Uh, but anyway, so I started doing that. I write jokes a lot still for fun. I like to perform when I can, but I, I really don't do it, you know, for a living or it's, you know, it's not, it's not uh, something that I uh, aspire to. I love going out and hanging out with comics again and meeting cats like you and, and seeing, uh, you know, again, like, man, you're, you're a working professional comic. And that's, you know, that's definitely so aspirational to so many right now that are either, you know, amateurs. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but if you don't make a living at something, you're an amateur. Or se yep. semi-pros, but making the, the jump to professional like yourself is very cool to see. I feel, I feel very blessed. Now, the last time I saw you um, was, the last vivid memory was, was that we were in a, a small room. It was a hotel room. And you were basically, <laughs> you were basically tearing apart uh, my comedy set. And so um, it took me a lot emotionally to finally get to this point to reach out to you. Um, and, is and this true? <laughs> no, that was that was one of my favorite periods of time on that entire challenge was sitting down with you and Robert G. Lee and uh, and being able to uh, to talk about um, the craft, really, because that that's exact. I had just finished performing and to have a couple guys in the industry like like yourselves, well respected, um, talk to me about my craft was uh, was one of my highlights of the trip. So thank you. You know, and I felt and I hope you didn't feel sandbagged. But because uh or anything because uh the person that's in charge leslie who's a wonderful she's the greatest lady in the world she he is. goes uh how would you like to talk to the comedians about their acts uh after they do it i go well i you know i don't i don't sure but i don't think i'm i'm uh, any authority per se and it's a hard thing because people are very emotional about their acts they, nobody wants to really hear anything but man you're great and once you go past man you're great then people go, oh, who the hell are you? So, you know, uh, I tried to keep it as much to like, well, here's a joke that you might pursue a little harder or a yeah, little yeah. softer. Uh, and we talked a lot. This is interesting because you had mentioned this on a couple of things ago with some other comedian about, you know, what's the unique hook. Right. You know, and we talked about that with you uh, because you obviously have one that's that's uh, you had decided to do and you did it. And I think, you know, Robert and I had a little, two different takes on on it. And I'm always uh, curious about that and always, uh, you know, uh, especially when it's obvious that it was a choice, you know, right. it didn't just come upon you. You, you, you came upon it as much as anything else. Uh, and it's good. I'm not being judgmental. It's just, I'm putting it out there. It's, it's, it's interesting. As long as something like that, you know, it works for you, which is awesome, but you hate to see some young guy or gal, or do, you know, put put the hook before the uh, horse, as it were. Right. Yeah. You, know, well, you think, obviously were funny and had jokes, and then kind of added that layer on there. I do like the process of, uh, and I want to talk to you about process and some other things in the next little bit, because um, I, because as I'm, I'm a writer first and foremost. I love performing, 
Um, but when I, when I had a chance to, to write my book, when I had a chance, when I have a chance to actually do the craft of writing, um, that, that actually is the thing that drives me. Being able to have the outlet on stage is kind of the, the finality of that in some ways. Okay. But, um, but what, I love about, what I love about live performance and what you're kind of talking about here is I love the fact that when we make a choice, um, I don't get so much excited about the fact that I could get a standing ovation if you want to go to the extreme. I get excited about the fact that anything could go wrong at any given time and that choice might fail. And there's something very exciting about that in the moment that, right. that I well, thoroughly that's what makes stand up. That's what makes stand-up so interesting. Uh, my friend, uh, who's also kind of went back to stand-up after a while, um, he calls it old man skydiving. Okay. Going up, doing stand-up. Know, because again anything can go wrong you know yeah. you could be a, a, a talented writer write billions of jokes but you know that next one you know it's best guess at any one time you know my guess on a joke or, or a bit on yours is better you have a better percentage of knowing that joke's going to work on stage than somebody who's never done it before mm -hmm. but you still never know and you never know what the interaction with the crowd's going to be like at any time well and that's why i i think like I went to school for film and television and uh, I, you know, I uh, that's, that's why that, that was, that's why, I don't know. I had a joke there about how you, you're probably not <laughs> as good because you actually been trained, but I, I um, well, I did, I got, I got kicked out. I got kicked out of college a year and a half. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had gathered everything I thought I, I, I needed at the time. So, um, but so film and TV is still my love, but that's like, that's, that's one of the main differences as much as I would love to do TV. Um, there is a you know, performer. As a performer, oh yeah, I would absolutely love to still get still get that chance. Um, and, and when you say do TV, like be in a sitcom, be an actor on a drama, be do a stand up on TV. I want. Mean? I my my ultimate dream would be sitcom. I'm a sitcom kid. I before before I knew anything about the stand up world, um, like Bob Newhart is my, is my my comedic idol. If I have gotcha, that. yeah. But I fell in love with Bob Newhart's stammer delivery, delivery style of comedy through his TV shows before right. I knew he was a stand-up. Yeah, of course, because um, the stand-up was much earlier. That would have been, you know, pretty much before your time. So yeah. yeah. So I grew up. I mean, Cheers to this day it was, is 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 uh, probably my favorite sitcom ever. And I and I love I love the the ability as much as I love the solo thing of stand-up. I love how a sitcom, when done well, can bring together this collection of individuals that if, if all are doing what they're supposed to do, just is a mesmerizing experience. And that's what kind of really um, yeah. was my love oh, no, growing I up. Think that turned on uh, a lot of us to go on, wow, that's really cool, you know, to, to, to be that funny in that, uh, in that uh, environment. And that's the great times of sitcoms, too. Those, a quick shout out to my uh, brother, Alex Fleshnick, who just tuned in. Nice. And, uh, my other brother from a different mother, Brian Larson, who's uh, 32 years old today. Today's his birthday. Brian. Happy birthday, Brian. Colorado. He's probably, he probably left. Uh, now, um, is it weird that eight people uh, are on this? Does it bother you at all? It doesn't bother me. It's just, I think it's great. That, but... people are, that people keep coming on? Yeah, what's the etiquette on that? Because sometimes I'll go, oh, hey, so-and-so's live, and I'll jump in. I go, oh, now I'm stuck. You know, like how you walk into a conversation <laughs> at a party, for example, and then you go, oh, these are the people I don't like, and you have to kind of, you know, you yeah, don't yeah. have that option here, which is. Well, a millennial, a millennial told me that, because um, at first, I don't care that everyone comes and goes. That That's cool. The people that want to stay, stay. But yeah. 
um, I felt like I needed to somehow respond to everybody. And a millennial told me that that's okay. You don't have to, this is their outlet to say hello throughout their thing. Um, and just kind of, you know, so if a millennial says it, um, they're far more the expert on, on etiquette. So right yeah. now I just perceive this as you and me. And if something really jumps out as a cool question or a statement, we'll kind right, of follow if somebody up. Somebody wants to one. jump in, whatever. Yeah. So speaking of sitcoms, you, um, uh, you were in that world. Um, on the writing side, yes. On the writing side. Yeah. You did Roseanne? Uh, Roseanne, yep. I, I, I wrote a couple of years for Roseanne. Uh, then I w went to, uh, Tom had his own show. He had three sitcoms, Tom Arnold. The first one was called The Jackie Thomas Show. And really? uh, that ran for a little less than a year. Uh, we did not do a full season. I think we did 18 episodes. And then I went on to a bunch of other stuff and landed. I did some late night writing. Uh, that was just kind of joke writing for late night, which was great, which kind of was fun for a while to not do scripted. And then I went back in. I worked on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then I created a show for Eddie Griffin and Malcolm Jamal Warner called uh, Malcolm and Eddie. And that, w that went on for a number of years. And then I've had a number of jobs uh, along the way uh, with different shows and that. And occasionally I'll jump in on screen. Sometimes my buddies will go, hey, you know, you're a horrible actor and they want to embarrass me. And they'll say, why don't you take that small part? I go, fuck, yeah. Can I say fuck? Sorry. Uh, you know, I'm in SAG and I get, I get a on screen credit. Yeah, I'll jump in there. And I am horrible. Uh, I'm a terrible actor. Uh, I, I love doing it, though, uh, when I can, when I'm allowed to. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I did that. And that's what I've done. And then about three years ago, I hooked up with, uh, for some reason, Mark Brazil, who I sort of knew from stand up and then I knew from writing. Uh, he created that 70s show. Okay. And uh, he was doing stand up again. And I said, I'm kind of doing it. And we started buddying up. And uh, so I started doing it eh, once a month. Every other, I don't know how we got on this, but my, my origin story. And so the last like three <laughs> years, and what really helped is when I uh, went back to Minneapolis at Acme uh, Comedy Club. So the, the guy, the owner knew me from, I started out in Minneapolis doing stand-up. And, and Lewis, I, I know him from way back. And the guy that was headlining, J. Elvis Weinstein, uh, said, why don't you come? He knew I was just kind of doing it for fun. He said, why don't you come and like MC for the week? And I go, yeah, that I'm in. And uh, the first couple of nights were like really horrible. Uh, and uh, then I kind of just kind of, you know, got into a groove again uh, about performing and stand up and uh, you know what it's all about. Cause I can psych myself out really easily on stand up, but it really helped to have like nine sets in a row in a nice club with a real audience. Cause you just don't get that like in LA trying to figure it out is, virtually impossible there's you can't get stage time till you're any good and you're not right. going to be any good until you get some at least and you don't have to have like a big crowd just like five paying people is better than an open mic in front of eight comedians yeah, it's yeah. Just, unless you need to have the feeling of standing on stage holding a mic getting over that fear yeah. you know uh but you'll never get a true feeling of what jokes work and what doesn't and how your persona reflects because it's a different environment than doing in front of uh, real people or, or paid people. So then, so when you're when you're sitting in the back in the back room of a, in a with a, a writing group on a sitcom, per se, um, jokes are getting thrown all around. I mean, you you gen in that point, you're almost in that comedy club setting with a bunch of other comedians. You don't you don't know how the audience is going to respond to a joke, right? Um, 
how is that experience like do you enjoy that experience to sitting in the writing room to, to do when it's like when you're with some guys and gals uh that are uh on the same page you know as far as uh you know where your head's at humor wise uh it's a, one of the greatest experiences Uh, but when you're in a room where, uh, depending on who's in there, uh, you don't, you, they're not on the same page. I don't know what they're doing. You may not respect them. They might not respect you. Right. I don't know. Uh, then it becomes kind of a wonky and a fight and uncomfortable like any business. But yeah. then if you have a strong leader, the leader, the guy in, or the woman in charge, see how I'm, every time, man, I'm jumping on it because I <laughs> use the male uh, thing all the time. Uh, uh, whoever's in charge says, okay, I like that one. That's a, and then you move on. And, and as a, as you, one of the things you get to do as a writer professional, uh, you, you tend not to be so precious about your jokes. Right. So like, okay, if that doesn't, doesn't work, if the person didn't like it and write it down, well, I got about 10 more, uh, that I can come up with They're you know, they're nothing special. And I think, uh, it really helps standups when they can get to that point with their material to go, uh, okay, it's just, it's not, it's, yeah, it gets a laugh, but, you know, I need something a little bit better, or maybe I can tune it up, or just not be so precious. And also, if somebody accidentally steals it, or you find out they're doing something very similar, you can go, all right, three people are doing something very similar. I think I'll try for something else. I don't need to be redundant. Uh, what, um, what sitcoms... What sitcoms did you look to or inspired you as you wrote other sitcoms? Did you have, did you have a, a, a path towards kind of... You know, the exact opposite. When I started writing on sitcoms, first of all, the hours were such that it was really hard to watch anything else, you know? And the last thing you want to do is watch something else when you come home at 10 at night, you know, because right. it's, it's part of your job. But I kind of st steered away purposefully because I did not want to go, ah, oh, they did the thing about the thing, ding, uh. Yeah, if yeah. I came up with it and then I found out later, oh, they did a show about X thematically or whatever, not thematically, but actually plot wise, then I wouldn't feel bad. I'm going, okay, we're sort of on the same page, but I honestly can say I did not see them do the thing with the deal on the thing, whatever that is, to yeah, stay a little bit cleaner. I mean, that happens with, with stand-up. I, I often, like one of the biggest questions I get asked from other comics even is they, they, they want to ask, you know, well, who, you know, which comics are, are your favorite? Who are you watching? All those type of things. And I actually don't watch comedy. Like, like I'll, t I'll, I'll watch the occasional sitcom now, but even my TV viewing has kind of, kind of dropped. But um, my, 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 I guess it's not a conscious philosophy, but it's kind of morphed into a philosophy is that I've, I've tried to stay away from watching other comics just for that same reason. But then you also have the other side where it's like, well, you know, like in most industries, you also learn from those who have gone before. Like when I saw Bob Newhart live, I wish... Um, I saw him like a few years ago, and it was the only stand-up comic I wanted to go see live. Well, and you know, when, when you're starting, it, yeah, I, go ahead, sorry. Yep. No, I, it's just that I, I wished I wasn't a stand-up comedy, because so I, enjoy I spent him on half another my level. time breaking down how Bob, yeah. you know, this 88-year-old man or whatever, and right. just being completely mesmerized by the process. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of like hindered us like, oh, man, so you got to not watch comics. It just it, it takes you away from the enjoyment of the process. And, and, the, and the few comedy shows or comedians where you can completely lose yourself in them, you go, oh, they're, they're, they're playing at such a different level. 
you know yeah. when i watch a, a comedy show and i don't have any notes and i went oh why did they go that way instead of this way when i can just go oh these guys are brilliant and yeah. there's a few shows i don't watch a lot of shows so i can't say there's probably more out there but like silicon valley uh the first three seasons or so i was just like i would watch with my uh mouth open because it just was so well done so well crafted uh, but other, other shows, like say, are you watching another comedian? You go, ah, that was kind of simple. Uh, why did he do that? Uh, yeah. why did she go there? That's kind of, you know, you, you're analyzing in your, and it's not fun. It's work. Right. Yeah. Uh, fidget comedy who was, uh, there, uh, John Hollingsworth is, um, they have an improv group up here in Canada. He's asking here, uh, did you write for a character or a situation? So when you were writing, was it situational based or character driven? Well, you know, the the process is always starts from a story so you're on a show let's say roseanne and somebody says hey there's a there's i would like to do a story how about something uh where darlene gets in trouble doing x okay great that's sort of the b story that's going through and roseanne and dan depending on where they are in the season you know okay they're they've been having trouble with their marriage but let's let's kind of get them together you know you arc out the whole season this is where mm -hmm. we want to get them together again and they're thinking about having a baby so what's sort of the underlying story that you know ties the bigger theme of the whole season together and somebody will say something about what they did at the grocery store oh this happened to me man and you get this, <laughs> this you know and and say okay well that could happen to Roseanne and then what would happen and what would happen so you, you you start with the story and then when somebody goes away and writes the actual script and then when it comes back to get punched up that's when you work on the dialogue and everybody I guess in some rooms that I have been in some people are better at writing in some people's voices, you know, like that's uh, that's a Dan joke. That's a, uh, a Darlene joke. That sounds better coming out of her voice than the kid. <clears throat> so you end up at that stage. Then you are kind of writing for the characters. But it's more like if you're on a show, you have a feeling how everybody's talking to each other. So, I mean, that's how I always did it anyways. But But again, you lay down the story first and right. then you figure out how to execute that story within the character. So the, the short answer is uh, situate. You, you start with the story first and then lay in the dialogue, which would be the character. Which is very, I, I mean, I find a very similar situation to, to stand up. I'm working with a, a young comic right now, super young. Um, and uh, he's been a fan of our shows for a while on the tour up here. And we, we, we did that same thing. It's like, it's like give, give me the concept, give me the idea. And then we're gonna break it down into kind of six six points of joke references that we can do under that thing and then right. we get into the specific of like now let's 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 craft that that specific part um so i guess it's true with it with any writing and it's kind of a i mean same with when i wrote the book it was like started off with a, an idea like even right. if it was just as simple as the color orange and and then you just build from there yeah no it's it's uh, you know there are basic it's a craft it's like making a pot you know, yeah. like the first one's not going to be that good. Uh, it might be okay, but you know, as you, you learn how to how to do it, you know, writing is not something that you just jump to. Um, you know, if people write spec scripts, your third one's going to be better. It might not be a billion times better, but you know. And when you do stand up, hopefully you learn every time you get on stage. You know, the tenth time should be better than the first. Uh, you know, and <laughs> on and on. And you can tell people that have had a lot of stage time and have taken advantage of it and people, you know, cause you ask, well, how long you've been doing it? And they say three years and you either go, oh yeah, okay. Or you go, wow, you're doing great for three years. Right. Or somebody that said, you know, how long you, 13 years. Wow, I would have guessed you just started, you know, but they probably are still better than now than they were the first time they got up.
You would hope. There's a um, so. Based on what I've seen coming in here, there is a, a, a good stretch of people who are in here who are guys that uh, either I'm working with up here on the tour or, or are in the comedy business. Um, what would be something just a, a, a I'm see one? Who's on there? All right. Oh, hey, my friend uh, Pr Pratik is on here. Pratik is one of my, my oldest and dearest friends. Uh, is, he, is he a comic as well? Uh, no, he's, he's a writer. Uh, he, he's one of the funniest guys I know, but he's not a, a comic. Uh, Brian Larson, also a super funny guy. What can I say? And of course, is my brother still on there? Oh, that. Is, uh, did he leave? Oh, there he is. Alex, one of the funniest guys. <laughs> uh, inspiration for a lot of good humor from, uh, from Alex. So what would, what would you say to some of these young comics that I'm looking at now, guys that I know up here, what would be a one thing of like, like a piece of advice in terms of the writing, the writing aspect, not the performance, but the, the writing down, what would you tell a young comic? Aspect. Um, so right from, uh, if you're crafting for stand-up act, for, per se, uh, you're, you're always best off writing from uh, what you know and, and person. Your, your own personal uh, experiences will keep you away from writing what everybody else is doing. The more personal it can be, uh, the better. Uh, and it doesn't have to necessarily come from the heart or anything, but just like your personal observations uh, will always be uh, one step away. I would also say... Uh, the second best thing is if you don't get to work with uh, Tim on your, your stand-up is uh, the books by um, Gene Parrott are probably the best comedy writing books I've ever seen in my life. I'm not a big fan of learning anything uh, in my life. Uh, <laughs> just I'm not. Uh, I don't care for education that, that much. But so I, I saw some comedy books when I was starting. I went, eh, what could they can't tell you? It's all either are you're either funny or you're not. You know, but that's not really true. And Gene hmm. actually has a book about whether you can learn how to be funny. You can certainly learn how to write funny. His so I've saw some books along the way, and, I, and somebody I think I think it was his daughter who gave me one of his books at a conference, and I put it away for a while. About six months later, I was bored. I pulled it out and I started reading it, and I went, "Oh wow, this is exactly what I would tell somebody." So of course he's a genius because right. I agree with him. Um, <laughs> And, and so I went, well, this is like really great advice, not only on writing, but about stand-up in general and how to approach uh, uh, business in, in uh, comedy. And yeah. just like, like he has all these, like, I know that you had mentioned like Seinfeld wrote every day. If you want to write every day, he has lessons in his book. So you don't have to just like, oh, let's see, I'll come up with eight things that I just saw. No, he's got formulas and things like that. And then the the key in writing too is like, yeah, every joke's a formula. You know, you can backtrack every... Joke. You don't necessarily think, okay, I'm going to write a formula. No, you write a joke and then you go, but it is, a, you know, it has this structure to it. So you can learn the structure and back into a joke or, you know, front load a joke either way. Uh, does that make any sense? Like sometimes you, you yeah. get at it and a premise and you work on that formula to twist it. And other yep. times it's just organic. But the reason it works is because it's the perfect formula. Well, I think when you're saying that, the first thing I thought of was, um, Think, say I'm going to use Cheers as an example for a sitcom. There's a there's a clear sitcom pattern. You, know, you could write a sitcom. You could get a book and write a sitcom. But I found that, and it's same with good actors um, and and maybe and good stand-ups. And but when you're watching a show, there are so many sitcoms that you watch, and you're just like, oh, this this just it feels 
formulaic. You're like, they're like any Disney, any young kid Disney show yep. is that. But then you see something where, and at least through my eyes, I watch a show like Cheers and I just get drawn into it. And you miss the fact that it actually is just like all the other shows, but there's something magical that happens in there that, and that's, that's that the, organic thing. That's the art of hiding the formula. Yeah. They all think of the greatest movies are the most simple formulaic movies once you get break them down but yet the brilliance is that you didn't even notice you did not notice that all is lost and the guy you're in the third act and what will happen and everything there's no way out but yet you aren't thinking that and then other shows that are crappy you go and you're looking around going did anybody else notice how dumb that was because they lied about how they got there you know they completely right. lied but if it's real and you believe it yeah, all is lost sometimes. We might so, be in the third act right now of uh, the coronavirus, but nobody's paying attention. Okay, so so this 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 fits in very nicely with something I will. So um, I'll show you how this I think reconnects to what we just said. But all this writing that you've done and your history—I mean, you you've been writing a long time, and you've talked, you know. But if you go to IMDb. Um, yeah. you're, you're best known for Naked Gun 33 and 3rd. <laughs> so out of all the I know. done. That's the first thing that comes up, and it's hilarious. Because uh, somebody did that. They go, oh, you were on that? I go, yeah, that was my 10 minutes. Uh, actually, I, I think I timed it out. I have 15 minutes of on-screen time between TV and movies. So that's my actual 15 minutes of fame, for real. Uh, I, and in Naked Gun, I did a thing with Paul Feig, actually, who's a big-time director now, yeah. him and I. Uh, the director called us in and said, oh, we're just not getting the audience reactions. Can you two idiots come and uh, sit in the crowd and just go? And I go, I love mugging. And, and that's what I did. I'm Rrr. and uh, but yes, that comes up first. So that's, thank that's you. That's the thank thing you you're that. known it makes for. Me laugh every time. People think I'm an actor. So so here's how I hope this brings back to what we were talking about. Naked Gun 33 and a third came through that Naked Gun series, which was one of the series that was inspired by. Um, Airplane, which was one of my favorite movies yeah, the of all Brothers. time, yeah. which kind of started that very, that sat, that deep satire, that um, that deadpan lunacy, which Leslie Nielsen yeah. played so well. Right. Um, but that's a, there's a formula, obviously, with, with within the formula to do that sort of comedy. And there have been so many people that apparently, I mean, because just from me watching it, have tried to do airplane and naked gun yeah. and that is a that is a hard formula to do um be, but very like, hard when the genius well, guys like when they nail they it went, it's awesome they went for every joke possible and their percentage was gigantically uh high i mean yeah. i would say 99 percent of their gags and jokes were like right on or if they weren't right on they were right off for the right reasons yeah and everybody they watch that and they don't quite get it they go for every joke but uh, their percentage is like around 40 percent yeah like some of them yeah you nailed that one and then others uh you missed by a long shot and that's why those don't work yeah. and also the airplane movies had a story they had a story they had a love story their yep. stories were good mm -hmm. uh even naked gun there was a story uh as uh, to hang all that stuff on and that's where the zucker brothers and then some of those others like eh, the stories like oh you really just made some horrible buys there for <laughs> you think they're funny they're kind of not i mean they kind of work but they kind of don't and again i think it's like baseball you only have to get some well again you know some of those people can get away with that yeah and people will go i mean they just aren't as great though and everyone knows they aren't as great as airplane and 
uh, the Naked Gun series. Yeah, those are, um, uh, Joy says that you look like Steven Spielberg. Um, have you ever had that uh, comparison? No, it must be just this angle right now because I've never gotten that. <laughs> I've gotten a few things. Uh, actually, this is my uh, this is my virus beard. I just started this two weeks ago. That's beautiful. So you're kind of hoping the virus lasts a little bit longer to let that grow out a bit, or <laughs> I'm hoping it goes about another month to let it grow. Okay, that's awesome. Get past the itchiness, but then I'm touching my face all the time. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> Well, hey, I, I want to thank you for, for joining me today. I don't want to keep you much longer. It looks like you've got a great afternoon ahead of you. Um, but I did, I did want to ask, um, what, um, what are you doing to get through quarantine? And what, what, would you, what would you tell other people to be doing for this time? Well, uh, honestly, uh, I'm just trying not to panic. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, my wife has the news on constantly and it's a little hard not to go to have moments of this is it, man. This is we're done. We're done as a species or I'm done. And, um, <clears throat> you know, not to worry about relatives in other places and try to just do the best you can. You know, that's that's all you can ever do. Um, uh, I'm hoping to get a little more productive next week. My wife's a teacher, so she's been doing online stuff with her classes. Okay. Get fig figuring that out. My daughter's in school. She's been doing online stuff starting just this last week. And um, yeah, I haven't figured out what I'm going to be productive doing, but that's okay. You know, I'm uh, the head chef here at uh, nice. Shea Madison. So I've been planning the meals and herding and also, you know, there's homework involved. And so I, I play, uh, what do you call that? Liaison between my wife and my daughter. Uh, referee. Refer uh, <laughs> might be better. And so that seems like a full-time job. I'm pretty tired out at night. Uh, but yeah, and then I've looked at some notes. I look over at my office. I look over at some notes and I don't know. I, I can procrastinate on the best of days. So this is the <laughs> worry, just the worry alone. You think uh, it's going to come down? Hey, uh, Mary Jane Baker says that you look like the dad from the movie Bridesmaids. I look <laughs> That's my other great screen credit. Thank you. <laughs> And then we I don't know who, so much fun at, in Pasadena, did we not? We, man, um, that I'm just glad we got in there before the world ended. Um, but that, <laughs> I know. Hey, can awesome. we get back to one thing about when me and uh, uh, Robert were tearing apart your act? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's relive that. Was <laughs> was uh, now was he a little harsher about the uh, the hook that you used? That I would. You probably remember it better than us. We talked to about ten comedians. Uh, what was? Yeah, I mean, what was? I, I thought, uh, I mean, it was kind of a good thing to do, but yeah, what is your real perspective on that? On the critique itself? Yeah, and how it was handled. And I mean, you're a professional comic, so it was like, you know, you're going to take it hopefully a little bit better than some of the other people that oh, were horrified. I don't know. You know, it's hard. I um Well, I'm definitely somebody who doesn't, uh, I, I'm a lone wolf. I don't, I don't, I don't like other people's input, input at all. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I am just beginning now to try to say, so what do you guys think? For me, I've always just let the crowd figure that out. You know, I, I don't want to tell other people my jokes ahead of time and see if they think it's funny. And I, I don't know if it's a good philosophy, but um, I write, I write the things that make me laugh. And at least if nobody else gets it, like at least I had a really good time and can enjoy it. Right. So well, that's always a good spot to be. So in. I was nervous going in to the room because I didn't know what it was. And, and I've got people in there who um, 
you know, are, you know, are in an industry that, that I love and respect. And um, I don't know what you guys thought. I mean, I only have three minutes on stage. But see, so, that's true, too. And, and you, you know, what we found out quickly that, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're one of the touring professional people that are involved in this contest. It came, there was all different uh, uh, levels uh, of people. Yeah, no, that, that's what I loved about I loved about that. But I but in terms of what you guys said to me, um, like like Mary Jane uh, is Joel said he, he cried for hours. She's given a little bit of insight in there. <laughs> um, I, yeah, pretty much. By the time I got home, I quarantined myself after that trip for four, for for a couple of weeks. Um, but I but I appreciate. No, I actually did appreciate because here's here's my thing. Um, and maybe it's arrogance on my part, but if I believe that you are better than me or more accomplished, I, I, I can receive that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that I don't receive critique from that maybe are better than me, but for some reason I decide they're not. Yeah. But so, so I, I actually really enjoyed it. And if Mary Jane is, is honest, she'll know that I came out of that room really encouraged by what you said, but it was, it was a little bit, I don't think you could have done it better or worse. It, I mean, I don't think there's a good way to set that situation up. Like, I mean, unless you're going to take everybody out for lunch for a couple hours to get to know them. But um, so it was equally hard um, at, as, in, as encouraging. And I hope everybody who went in the room did that. Now, mind you, you also had the benefit, though, um, like someone like Mary Jane being there. You guys had some insight into my comedy that went beyond my three minute set that maybe you wouldn't have seen from other because she was able to fill you in on kind of how I go about my, my work in general. Um, yeah. and my, my character doesn't, I don't think it plays off nearly as well in a three minute set as it would in a, in a 45 minute set. No, and we had act, that's funny because that was that exact thing. That, that, you know, once we found out, oh, you do like a 20, 30, 40 minute show sometimes. And it's hard to, uh, I can relate personally to that. Uh, when I came off the road, when I first got to LA, I was used to doing, I mean, that was the thing to do. I mean, I was out there closing shows, doing 45 minutes or whatever. And it's like, oh, a three minute thing is a whole different animal. You know, that's like something that needs to be focused on in and of itself. And I didn't get that at all. It took me years to figure that out. Just the that fact that the it most... needs to be thought through as a different animal, you know, let alone working on it to make it good. The most stressful thing of that of that time down there as a part of the challenge wasn't the stuff like the critique or anything like that. It was it was the fact that I hadn't written a three minute set in <laughs> yeah. years. And which was which was super cool because I liked the ch I, li I loved the challenge of it. Um, but it was it was kind of it was enlightening as well to come out and then to, you know, to hear you guys talk about that process and also very positively talk about it going okay we get um it's kind of like um i like when like when you're in a room and you might see it in a writing room too or whatever but you're in a room and you um you put something out there and a handful of people really like it and the people that you're looking to to see if they liked it like in that scenario for me i didn't it wasn't so much do the audience like me i don't even care if i got the laughs the question was, what did the industry say? Right. And so the critique to me was actually more important to me than how the audience responded in those three minutes. Because my whole sure. purpose for going down to that challenge was, was actually beyond the, 
what happens in those in, in front of the crowd. Um, right. I wanted to know what the industry thought and put myself in front of people right. who I would now never get a know, chance to. And I can, there's only 10 people here, so I can be candid. That wasn't the real industry. That was just, the, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's that, there's our, that group that somehow I got involved with and the industry that would actually do, do you any good. Uh, but I mean, yes, I mean, in terms of people that are, you know, Robert's been around, he has a lot of cred. I have some cred. Uh, as far as, you know, like talking about the craft or whatever. But yeah, and it's not only like, as you say, in writing that three minutes, but then like imagine if you had 20 shots of honing a three minute set before you got there. Right. You know, uh, it would have been that much uh, a tighter animal. I can't remember exactly what you did, only like obviously you were in the top percentage of, of I could tell right away you're a professional comedian i wasn't even judging the the exact three minutes uh per se you know what i mean but you could tell i mean you have you get on stage you're obviously professional so that's a big difference where some of those people got up and and that's cool and then you found out well it is their eighth time on stage and that's that's it's a different deal so but it was cool man because uh, it was uh, it was a fun little little uh, thing bob zaney came in and yeah. a bunch of other well, pros lou, lou deck, lou deck so, was amazing lou deck exactly uh another guy where's he doesn't he know how to use instagram um he, i don't know if he's on instagram we we've chatted a few times on uh, facebook um but uh but no he he uh, he occasionally will will reach out or respond when i reach out and uh cool. yeah he was yeah, he was really nice encouraging chat. yeah i mean he's like from the very beginnings of the comedy store Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's, the stories he told me was was phenomenal. Well, Amazing. I, I want to thank you for taking your time today to to be on this Absolutely. show, this calling comedians in quarantine, and uh, I hope that you uh, you survive because it would be good to to connect in real life again. You too. Thank you. Thank you for including me in comedians because I don't I don't relate to that because <laughs> I I don't do it enough to be considered that. Well, that's right. the that's the bell. Um, that I stole from my high school class when I graduated. Love it. Um, but uh, but Joel, I do I do appreciate everything that uh, that you said to me down at the um, down at the challenge, and I All appreciate right, you being on here today. And uh, yeah, have fun, man. Just enjoy this time. Enjoy the time. Go make a great you, meal for your wife. I'm gonna do that now. Thank you, Timmy. Uh, talk to you soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Calling Comedians in Quarantine. Please take a moment to like, share, subscribe, and ring the little bell so you and your friends don't miss any of the laughs. Episodes will be uploaded here at Timmy's Shorts daily until I run out. And be sure to check out the description below for links to connect with myself or my guests on social media, support us by buying merchandise, and also download the podcast version of this show. Until next time, remember, your brain, it's for thinking, not for eating. So just say no to zombies. My name's Timmy Boyle.